0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network,
1: your team every day. Welcome to, well, no, you know what? Don't Welcome to the Ron Johnson Show. We're going to try something new today. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to kind of combine the two. This is the mega show. We got the Ron Johnson Show and Superior Sports Talk with Reggie uh, Wilson and Luke Inman. Also my producer, Sam Ekstrom, as you see. Today, we're going to try something a little bit different. We're just going to have a roundtable discussion around sports. And the biggest one for me personally, because I'm a football player, I played at the University of Minnesota, close to my heart, we now have to possibly in 2024, not possibly, we are going to travel in 2024 or 2025, whenever they decide to schedule these games, to UCLA and USC. Now, selfishly, going to LA is a great trip for me. But more importantly, it's a tough way to split the division. I feel like more teams are going to come. So as I bring the guys in, Luke, Reggie, Sam, let's get at it. In my opinion, I like it. It adds a new rivalry. It adds new opportunities. It adds new money. From a recruiting standpoint, you're now telling kids, hey, you're going to play these teams. It adds bigger TV. What do you guys think,
2: Reggie? So I think it's kind of (laughs) weird. When you look at the map, You're like all these teams are situated in the Midwest and a little bit East Coast and then all of a sudden you got these two teams way over there and you're just like, Oh, okay, well, cool. I think it's interesting because it it just feels like a big money grab. And when everything has been explained about like the TV deal that's coming and the how the pie is gonna be split up, they're getting in on this money grab. And what's funny is is, you know, the commitment is to the students, right? All right. Well that's fine when they have to travel 2,000 miles, you know, for a game, they're missing class or, you know, whatever the case may be. And now, you know, maybe a little bit of an unfair advantage when you talk about, you know, the the kids from USC and UCLA. Now they got like a 9 a.m. kickoff for you know, whatever the case may be with their – um with their body clocks when they're going over and playing like a big noon or, you know, an early game in Minnesota or Ohio State or something like that. It's just kind of cool, like, that those games were normally thought to be like, you know, the Rose Bowl or, you know, those type of games. And just kind of seeing them more often, it just seems weird to me. Maybe it's just me being like a, a slight purist or something. I don't know. I don't think anybody can be a purist anymore at this point, but it's just so funny to see that because it's just, I don't know. I'm just not used to it, I guess. And it's fun because I grew up like a big USC fan. So I'm like, man, if they come here and they play the Gophers, like I'm going to be the first person at the stadium because, you know, that's a team that I always enjoy watching, but it just doesn't, I don't know. I'm, I need some time. (laughs) Luke, what do you think?
0: Yeah, I I think the Pac twelve probably had to see this one coming because in the NIL era now, it eventually I mean, the pay-for-play era really is what we should call it. The Trojans just wouldn't have been able to keep you know, compete with without tons of more media rights and revenue. I'm worried about the logistics. Ron, I'm going to pick your brain here in a second because you played. You're a golden gopher great, as we all know. Logistically, you're talking about what? West Coast to, let's say, Penn State, six-hour plane ride. If fans or family members have to drive, 2,800 miles to Rutgers. I mean, logistically, I, I'm, I'm curious how this is all going to work out. And ultimately, what's the ripple effect going to be, too? I mean, is this the beginning of this NIL era where other teams are going to follow, too? Like, Who's going to be next? Oregon, Washington, Stanford, Cal. I'm wondering, I'm thinking FSU and Clemson right now are on the phone with the SEC because I think this is just maybe one and the first of many moves like this to come over this next decade. We'll see how it all shakes out, though.
1: Sam?
3: Yeah, I mean, it really is an arms race because we're, we're going toward this era in football where it's all about... TV rights. Um, that's where the money is. And you are a stronger conference. If you have a bigger footprint, think mm-hmm. about how many more households are going to get the big 10 network in 2024. Think of how much revenue that's going to bring in for the conference. You've got California in your back pocket. And these are not, this is not a drop in the bucket like Rutgers. Even Maryland wasn't a huge splash. These are big splashes. USC and UCLA are blue blood football schools and keep this in mind guys the big 10 conference is about to have more teams than the american league i mean this this thing is growing fast and there are no boundaries anymore there are no geographic boundaries now that this door has been unlocked so why stop at 16 i think luke mentioned oregon and washington i read somewhere i don't know if this account this was not a blue checkmark account but someone was tweeting that Uh, there have been a request from Oregon and Washington to also join. So why stop at 16? Uh, We could have like a three or four division Big Ten where you've got the West, the Central, the East. It it suddenly is like baseball. Um, I think this does hurt, though, the smaller schools or even the middling schools like Minnesota. It's going to be even harder now to find a path to the college football playoff when you're competing with these Blue Bloods. So my hope is that This transforms the playoff system to where you have at least an eight-team playoff and create more paths for more schools to get to those big games. Because you're just creating this monopoly for the big programs, the programs that have the the strength of NILs, the strength of TV money. Um, Again, this is not a good move for the smaller schools.
1: Yeah, and this is where I go with this, and I'll let Luke. Luke had a question, I know, so I'll let him ask it. But this is where I look at this. Like, these are schools with a lot of money. So you think about South Carolina going to Texas A&M. That's about a a two-and-a-half-hour flight. You got Minnesota having to go to L.A. Now, the furthest Penn State to L.A., yeah. But at the end of the day, people were so worried about Penn State being in the Big Ten years and years way back when. So I think what this does, it changes the scope of basketball. even. Big Ten basketball looks a lot different now having UCLA. Like from a football standpoint, USC is going to be a huge get. UCLA is a good one too. But from a basketball standpoint, UCLA is a huge draw now for the Big Ten when you think about Michigan State versus UCLA in basketball. Michigan versus UCLA in basketball. Like it's going to grow. It's going to make this huge. It's also going to add the opportunity for ESPN to now do that. Now, Luke, I'll let you ask your question. What was your question about this whole deal?
0: Well, you know, Ron, I just wanted to ask you, as a former college football athlete, uh, you know, logistically, is there really going to be a big difference between a three-hour flight and a six-hour flight? I mean, people are griping already that that's going to be a lot of wear and tear on some of these athletes, student athletes, by the time this is all said and done over a long season. Now, uh, again, I'm excited as an NFL draft guy because now I get to see more talent come to the Big Ten up close and personal. Guys like quarterback USC, Caleb Williams, uh, Bolitnikoff award winner Jordan Addison, the receiver. But logistically, is this kind of a nightmare if you're an athlete who you know, just committed to one of these schools and now you find out, oh man, okay, we're going to be doing a lot of traveling. Does that kind of bug you or bother you or, or just keep it in the back of your mind? Not really.
1: No, not really. I mean, and and again, you add Lincoln Riley now versus P.J. Fleck. Right. You know, I <laughs> mean, you 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 have a lot of you have a lot of uh, uh, different storylines that are going to come up with this, mm-hmm. uh, with Lincoln Riley, with USC, with UCLA, with P.J. Fleck, with you know John Harbaugh or Lincoln Riley. I mean, there's mm-hmm. just so much into this. You got Harbaugh old school with Lincoln Riley new school Jordans versus khakis. I mean, it's it's going to be a lot of stuff going on. Mm-hmm. I, I will say this. The, the team that got screwed in this whole thing are the East Coast schools, the Penn mm-hmm. States, the Maryland's, the Rutgers. But my guess is Purdue is going to get kicked out. They're going to go to the West. UCLA and USC will come – or into the East, and UCLA and USC will come into the West. I think that's going to change the travel. You'll have one year or one time you have to cross over and go play USC or UCLA in that 4 year, whatever cycle deal they do. Uh, that's my guess. Now, if they change – and this is football. Basketball, it's, it's tough – because mm-hmm. of you have to play everybody in basketball, it's a little bit tougher. Um, for the most part, you know, Sam's question about being the Big Ten champs or getting the Big Ten West—I don't think UCLA USC is going to become a powerhouse again with Lincoln Riley. He did it um, at his last stint; he's going to do it again. Uh, UCLA football is not what it used to be. It's not the Deshaun Fosters and the you know the the, the Freddie Mitchells, and it, it, they have not been like ever since Snoop Dogg's son and, and, and Diddy's son committed. <laughs> They just haven't <laughs> been the same team.
3: One last word from Arcade1Up. They've got NBA Jam, the Shaq Edition machine. And fans <laughs> of Locked On can win one. You can enter for a chance to win the Shaq Edition game console for your man cave at Arcade1Up.com slash On Arcade, the number one up dot com slash locked on you've got until july 8th to enter to win and hey arcade one up they've got other games as well like mortal Kombat, golden Tee, and others starting at just 3.99 but enter to win the shack edition machine arcade one up.com
1: you got nba free agency all over everybody's talking about Kyrie, kevin durant you got other big names you got Cat re-signing uh you got steph curry talking about this you got andrew wiggins possibly you know going somewhere you got bradley bill uh, you got John Wall jumping to the Clippers, allegedly. I mean, there's so much of NBA free agency. When you think about the Wolves, how do they get involved in this? Because this is the way I look at it with Kevin Durant. Or, sorry, Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving reminds me of a woman or a man that broke up with their boyfriend <laughs> or girlfriend because they thought I had something better coming up. And now they've, they've dealt with other people, and now they're like, you know what, I should have just married you from the start. And <laughs> Kyrie now wants to go back to LeBron. And LeBron, being the true pro that he is, he's like, look, babe, come on back. You know, where your bread was buttered the best. Let's come back home. That's what Kyrie reminds me. But that's just me. With the, with the Timberwolves in this, I said Tyus Jones, he already resigned, but you can still do a sign and trade. That is not off the table. Um, but I think the Timberwolves have to move on from D'Angelo Russell. I, if, if they can get Kevin Durant, I would, like I told A-Rod on Twitter, I would throw everything at Kevin. I would say, hey, look, man, I will go get J-Lo. To come back to me <laughs> come. And, and she will go to dinner with us every weekend like I don't care what you have to do but you I, I would get Kevin Durant Anthony Edwards and Carlin D. towns I don't know if Kyrie mentally has anymore he needs LeBron to be big brother but that's just me what do you guys think the Timberwolves should do
3: I'm gonna say something controversial oh I don't I don't want Kevin Durant oh my goodness I don't want Kyrie I don't want to give up what it's going to take because that means you are, you are giving up organic pieces that you've homegrown. Pieces that are more likely to be part of your franchise down the road. And, and I look at what a lot of these championship teams or, or very competitive teams recently ha- have done. Milwaukee was entirely organic in the way that they built that club. And that Milwaukee is very similar to the Timberwolves in that they are upper Midwest. They are not a destination location. But... They got guys that played well together, and they kept them around for a long time. They built something. I think the Wolves need to have that long-term approach. When you've got a talent who's grown up with this team, and it's grown up with this team, you build around that core, knowing that they're going to be here now for many years together, um, and you you don't give up on those role-player assets, those draft picks, because that's the glue that holds your team together. Um, If you get Kevin Durant, you might get him for a year or two, But then it's gone, and then you've given up so many assets to get him. Um, I just think that when you're a team like the Wolves who can't just snap their fingers and find talent, I think you need to hold on to the assets you have so that you don't jeopardize your future because we know what it feels like to be stuck for a decade in the middle of nowhere in basketball purgatory with the Wolves, and it's not a fun place to be.
1: I'll let Reggie go next before I do. Steph Curry did it best. Hey, if you get Kevin Durant for two years, you get a ring probably for one of those. So mm-hmm. again, do you organically just keep being sixth, fifth, or fourth seed, or do you just go out there and and get plastic surgery and go win a, a championship for one year and then be be terrible for another five years? I, I <laughs> give me Kevin Durant with Cat and Anthony Edwards, and let's go win a championship in the next two years, and then we can suck for five years because we got a ring. So. <laughs> And then, But maybe after you win, more guys want to start coming. Who knows? And then you suck, you might get the first-round pick. Could be a Imani Bates in two years.
2: I don't know. You know, it's interesting because the cool part about it is KD is signed for four years. So you will get four years of KD unless he gets disgruntled after one or two, which, you know, it, it happens because these NBA players are, are interesting guys. But I think it would be cool, but I think it's a pipe dream to get Kevin Durant and not because I don't want him, Sam, but I think it's because um I don't think they have the assets to to pony up to get KD. Like the the Nets aren't just gonna give him up. You know, I was looking at Sports Center yesterday and Woj was talking about you're talking about like a historic return for Kevin Durant because this is a guy that, you know, has battled his way back from the Achilles injury and is back to being one of the top three players in the league. And you probably have to give up a guy like cat or or like you got to give up like a big per like they're not just going to be like oh yeah just give us delo back we'll take him back and some picks and we <laughs> you know it'll be all good like no they're going to be first round picks D up- delo yeah it. no they're not going to do that like they need some some actual guys that you know are surefire things um to take over and, and be key pieces as they try to rebound from this terrible terrible mistake and decision it seems like of bringing Kyrie and KD to Brooklyn and so they need a little bit more and I just don't think the Timberwolves have what they're looking for
3: can I just say that the Nets continue to botch bringing in like these veteran super teams Mm -hmm. with the KG Paul Pierce era which went horribly and now the uh the Harden Kyrie KD I mean I know wow. they were they were one what one one shot away from going to the finals a couple of years ago when the Bucks beat them. Um or no it was the Eastern Finals, I think. But anyway, mm-hmm. they they were on the doorstep with that group, but your personalities are just so mercurial at that age when you've got guys with that much money and that much experience that sometimes it's hard to organically build those super teams, right? That's why it's yeah. amazing how how LeBron has kept, you know, for the most part, except for the Lakers um, last year, having this a lot of This is what I'll say, though. Yeah. It,
1: you, Kyrie's is, 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 is if, if not for COVID, I think the Nets are a better team. Mm-hmm. Like, COVID completely destroyed their chemistry because everybody was on board to do what they need to do to be there for the season except for yeah. Kyrie. And we yeah. know Kyrie is like a waiting-to-exhale character because he's out <laughs> here burning sage on the stage of the, before the Celtics game to ward it's off like, bad dude. energy you know he he's out there you know talking about the earth is flat you know i mean he's the dude where, like a uh, uh, all like you know tan outfit looking like he's a character from a little house on a prairie or something you know with <laughs> with with thong sandals and like straw in his mouth you know like that's kyrie is just different like he's a millionaire you know eccentric millionaire you know like he he was he's like uh the guy from virgin airlines you know like he he's out there so when you have that personality with strip club james harden and i don't want to talk to nobody kevin durant it's the weirdest three brothers you could ever put in a room and honestly let's be real the vaccine just completely destroyed any chance they had to become a unit and that's why james harden left still got ben simmons there and then but again we can't forget ben simmons is still could be the point guard for this team mm. like you talk about a guy that does not want to shoot but can dunk and slash Hey, we didn't need guys taking threes at inopportune time we needed a guy to go dunk and maybe ben simmons you know like that's the whole joke like he had layups and he would pass him up maybe he gets with a bunch of young guys that are gonna like hug him and bring him in like cat and anthony edwards and say hey dude if you will on the passes the ball 25 times a game <laughs> and he's 6'9 like he can guard anybody on the court hey Maybe that's the trick. Maybe it's not KD. Maybe it's Ben Simmons because that could be a better point guard than D Yeah, what do
0: you I'll think? just, uh, yeah. Uh, just to wrap up here, again, you guys kind of already hit on it. I'm with Ron, man. Until you get a ring, fans will do anything scratch and claw, give up the farm, kind of push the chips all in, a la what? Vikings and Brett Favre in 09 say, hey, we got a low window. Let's try to go get a ring, even if we got to blow the whole thing up after a few years. Now, like Reggie and Sam kind of touched on, probably a pipe dream. I don't know NBA trade values as well as you guys, but if you can't do it for, what, three firsts and D-low, sounds like it's probably not realistic because you can't rob Peter to pay Paul and get KD while giving up a guy like Cat or Ant, obviously. So that's not going to work either. It does remind me kind of of the, the prime peak Rick Spielman offseason days right now, what Connolly's doing, peppering in a lot of one-year, two-year deals, uh, retaining your core guys like like he always did Harrison Smith, Eric Kendricks, Daniil Hunter, and trying to build through the draft. Now, I think they're at 15 guys right now on the roster, so even if they do sign somebody, they got to trade somebody or make a move there too. But, yeah, likely the only other big splash, I think, that would come in these next, what, few days or week while free agency continues is they'd have to trade somebody. And I think, again, we're all just kind of sitting here waiting. Is D'Lo going to be the one that's traded? We'll see.
1: Well, we got to talk July 1st. 4th of July is coming up. But there's something more important coming up, in my opinion. Yes, the freedom of the world, we know. Freedom of the country, great. <laughs> training camp. <laughs> <laughs> training camp's more important now. You know, salute to everybody, you know, 4th of July. You know, definitely a time to uh, celebrate independence and all that stuff. But it's July. It's training camp. You got Vikings. You got Packers. You got Lions. You got Bears. You got everybody in our division reporting. You also, you know, you got the, the 49ers coming to town. Mm. Um, I'm going to ask you guys, and then I'll go last. So I'm going to let – let's go Reggie first. Um, what What's something you're looking forward to or, or storyline you can't wait to follow during training camp this year?
2: I want to see – this is like low-hanging fruit here, but I want to see if Kirk Cousins can go to that next gear, that next level. You know, we saw what Matt Stafford was able to do in an offense, you know, similar to the one that Kevin O'Connell is going to be running here. I just want to see if Kirk can, like, elevate. What was cool was there were there were a couple games where Kirk was, like, getting them in position to win these games. You know, I'm thinking about, like, Arizona. Um, he actually did it in Carolina. That was really cool, really fun to watch. Like, I want to see that more consistently and see if, like, that's another gear, another level that he can take the team to. And then you're talking about him getting another contract and people being like, oh, my gosh, we just we're stuck with Kirk Cousins. But it's like, well, if he's going to play and he's going to ball out, then, you know, why not? Why not pay the man? And so I think that's one of the bigger things that I'm I'm like intrigued to see just how well he acclimates to this offense that, you know, he's kind of, you know, he talked about. Going on note cards and and things like that to try to learn the offense because like it's a similar offense to what he did in washington because they worked together before, but you know there's new wrinkles there you know the the game has has kind of evolved since then, and so I'm eager to see how well he learns the offense and and how well he he can just kind of take the game you know which he's already pretty good he's like a solid n f l quarterback but i'm I'm excited to see if he can go to that elite status with Kevin O'Connell and take this Vikings team to where they want to go.
3: Yeah, I, I think, Reggie, you nailed the A topic. That's the A, B, and C topic, honestly, <laughs> is can Kirk Cousins take this team to the next level? But I would say after that, I'm looking to see how much this coaching staff empowers young players because the last coaching staff definitely had the feeling of, you have to pay your dues. If you, even if you're a first-round pick, you got to come in here and sit on the bench, and you're going to learn your lessons. Well, I want to see if this coaching staff is willing to elevate guys like Louis Seen, 32nd overall pick, and mm. Ingram, second-round pick, Andrew Booth Jr., second-round pick. Because I think mm. in previous years, those guys would, would be redshirting, more or less, in year one. Um, I'm curious whether there will be room for them to play, though, with this coaching staff that might be a little more forward thinking that might might make things a little easier on the younger players and not, I don't know, look down on them because just of their age and lack of experience and try to elevate them in this rotation and at least get them to a spot where they can contribute early on in their careers. Um, last year's draft class gave the Vikings so little that it really hurt their depth, and you could mm-hmm. honestly say the same thing about the last two draft classes. I mean, Rick Spielman got a bazillion picks, and how many of them were were truly impact players other than than justin jefferson um they They really need to have I think, a rookie impact this year, and I want to see whether Kevin O 'Connell and Ed Donatel are willing to give them those opportunities
0: yeah, the position battles when you look at all the starters twenty two starters not really a ton up for grabs. Obviously, right guard's going to be important how quickly do they get Ed Ingram acclimated as Jesse Davis supplanted as the guy throughout all of training camp um, but it's it's the depth you're right Sam it's what's what happened to this 2021 class how much of those guys can still be a factor can Wyatt Davis a third round pick from Ohio State Remington award winner best offensive lineman in college football can he make a push at right guard uh, wide receivers four through six you got a, a big uh, handful of you know a lot of unknowns and talent question mark Amir. Smith-Marset coming off the injury in the boot. Jalen Naylor, the rookie from Michigan State. B.C. Johnson, don't forget about him. Bring in Albert Wilson. Uh, you mentioned the rookies. Those are always fun to watch for sure, how quickly they get acclimated. But I got a question for Ron when it comes to training camp. You spent some time, obviously, in the NFL yourself. I'm interested about Ed Donatel's defense. And when we can expect to start to see some wrinkles, these sub-packages. Because I want to know... Who's, you know, like that, that nickel sub package, is Brian Asamoah uh, involved early on in camp in that sub nickel package? I know early on it's a lot of the basic install, the base defense, but, you know, is there a certain point during training camp, Ron, where, you know, you start to see Ed Donatel's kind of different sub packages and different wrinkles and Kevin O'Connell's different wrinkles too as well for that matter?
1: Yeah, for me, so, you know, I think everybody kind of hit where I'm at, uh, mainly the receivers. Like, you look at Adam Thielen, K.J. Osborne, Justin Jefferson. Those are your three. But then after that, it's a toss-up. I mean, we keep throwing names out there like we think they're going to be there. K.J. Osborne last year, we thought everybody thought was going to get cut because of Mm -hmm. his rookie year. And then he has a great OTA. He has a great training camp start. And then people are like, oh, well, let's know your equipment, you know, blah, blah. There's no pads. And then that momentum carries. And I remember playing for the Bears, and the same thing happened to me. Like, I had a great OTAs, I had a great training camp, and then they moved me to tight end because they're like, man, let's let's try them somewhere else. Like, clearly this dude can make catches, and then I get hurt in the first game. But um, that's one of those things where training camp can actually – like, that's the whole goal. Like, a lot of people denigrate it sometimes because of the lack of – full goal Mm -hmm. as it used to be back in the day where it was a full actual scrimmage. You were actually tackling your teammates. It was actually big hits. They're trying to dial back on injuries, dial back on the hitting, dial back Mm -hmm. on the head to head collisions. Um, So you feel like you don't get the same, but you still can get it from receivers and DBs because nothing changes about running routes and catching the ball. And I think that's where it's going to be fun to see BC Johnson get back to where he was because without injury, BC Johnson is probably number three last year right with KJ Osborne. Mm -hmm. Um, And he didn't have a chance to really let Keenan McCardell get his hands on them and really work with them. So I'm interested because Jalen Naylor, the rookie, you know, you, you got, uh, like you said, Albert Wilson coming in. So there's going to be some fun battles there. Secondly, to your question about the 3-4, this is what I've learned about the 3-4. Playing tight end was probably the best thing that ever happened to me. Like when Lovey Smith said, call me to his office. I had no idea why I was going to his office. I thought it was like a godfather moment where he's about to cut me. <laughs> and uh, he says, you know, I gotta offer for you, you can't refuse. I need you, I need I need you to play tight end. I need you to play tight end. <laughs> and so I was like, I was like, what? I was like, all right. And so I started gaining weight. I got to about 247, 250. Wow. Started playing tight end. But what I learned in playing tight end, what I still use to this day on Vikings Game Day Live and all my shows, when I'm talking to players, when I'm talking to coaches is when playing tight receivers, we, we really only got to know three things. Where the safety's at, uh, where's our cornerback at, and then what's the play? Those are the three things. Find the safeties, find your guy covering you, and then what's the play? That's it. And then maybe the blitzer. That's four. At tight end, you got to know everything. You got to know what protection you're in. You got to know if there's a run versus pass. You got to know who's your guy if you're double teaming. You got to know if you're, if there's a guy pulling, which way do you need to turn? If it's a screen, where are you going? I mean, there's so – because if some screens, tight ends release. Some screens, mm-hmm. tight ends are, are acting like they're blocking. Some screens, you're the middle tight end screen. Like, there's a lot to learn at tight end. Um, Pass protection-wise, you know, when the quarterback points out the mic, you got to know because now you're counting everybody to the right of the mic if you're on the right or the left because you got to know which guy comes that makes you hot at tight end. So when I say that, the 3-4 is the hardest defense to decipher sometimes because of the fact that there's two – technical mics there's a mo and a mic however you decide to you know deviate it whatever t- every team does calls a different. some people call it a jack and a something else um, but one guy's kind of your enforcer one guy's drops back into coverage cool thing about that is ed Donatello can get really creepy really freaky and really like <laughs> like what is going on with his defense and if you look at the ravens with ray lewis every you know uh delius thomas peter bulware uh, mike mccrary terrell suggs like They would move. You know, it was a lot of movement, a lot of Anthony Weaver. It's a lot of stuff going on. And uh, what what you can get out of that is a guy like Terrell Suggs early in his career that was undersized that was a DN that played outside linebacker. And it fit him perfectly. That's why I look at guys like DJ Wanham. Like, this is going to be the perfect defense Mm -hmm. for DJ Wanham. He's not a true DN with his size. But at 260, he's a true outside linebacker to get up to the quarterback. And so now – Like Brian Osomoa, same thing, a guy that can cover anybody, you know, a guy that can cover in the flat, a guy that can cover in space, a guy that can rush the quarterback. He's fast. He can play special teams. So, you know, for Ed Donatel, I think the key is going to be not showing too much too soon. Mm -hmm. But when it's time to confuse quarterbacks, throw the kitchen sink at them. um, Yeah, I I think it's going to be it's going to be fun. But, you know, in a three, four, two, what you get is you get natural rush edges without having a blitz because you can send either linebacker. And if they guess wrong on who's the rush linebacker in this play, you now get a guy coming scot-free. Like the video of Peyton Manning uh, screaming, damn it, Donald, because uh, the (laughs) running back went the wrong. I think it was Donald Brown. I forgot who Mm -hmm. the running back was, but went the wrong way because there was no like blitz. He just went right versus scanning to realize I need to go left because this in over here is a lot better than the guy on my right. And so stuff like that hopefully is going to happen this year with Daniel Hunter, with uh, Darius Smith, with uh, DJ Wanham. I, I'm looking forward to that too. But, yeah, this this sub-package stuff is it, predicated and dictated by the offense. So whatever they send out, you have to match. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where – you know, that's why people always wonder what the coaches are sitting there holding for. They're waiting for the personnel from the offense to be called out. So if it's 11, if it's 12, if it's 21, whatever personnel – You have a package that you worked on that week based off film you've watched. And that's the key. The other thing I want to see, though, too, is how much does this offense look like the Rams? Because I know when you come from a team, Mm -hmm. the only film you have is your team. So he's Mm -hmm. bought a ton of Rams footage. He's bought a ton of Rams film. You know, he's had it on his iPad. And he's Mm -hmm. been – I guarantee these players have been watching nothing but Rams film all the time. And so when you watch Rams film, you naturally soak it in. So how much is this offense going to look like this, and how much can Kirk Cousins start to look like Matthew Stafford?
2: Yeah, That's the other. One. <laughs> yeah, but as we be. go
1: into the next topic, Twins Guardians, eight games in a row out of Ooh. eleven that they played, five straight, they blew so many leads that I, I think they were point shaded. Like, did Pete Rose <laughs> the, is Pete Rose in this in this in this locker room now? Um, we, we, <laughs> my biggest takeaway <laughs> is that. You live to fight another day. They have another series coming up. Now they have to focus on It's no more about the Guardians. You moved on from that ridiculous eight-game series that they just had out of 11 games. Uh, you live to fight another day. They still started out great, like Audra Martin said on the show. They started out great, so things like this don't hurt as much. I think they still have a one-game lead, if not two, uh, but a one-game lead. That's my takeaway from this. You live to fight another day. They got to find – they have the bats – they got to find some consistent bullpen play where they're coming in and they know their job. They know where, where to target the ball. They're not putting it in the zone of the guy. Like they're, they're paying attention to their scout report. Cause I feel like that they're giving away too many home runs at the end of the game. Like, and I don't know if that's lackadaisical, if that's putting the ball where it shouldn't be Um, not paying attention to who you're pitching against and where, you know, where he needs the ball uh, based off what your pitching coach told you, which is not there anymore. Um, (laughs) But that, that's what I would say. That's, that's kind of my thought process is, is just closing out games. Like, Clearly, they know how to win and hit, but they got to figure out a way to close the games. What do you think, Reggie? Reggie?
2: You know, it's funny. Uh, going back to your uh, Lovey Smith comment, I, he probably didn't sound like that. It was more so <laughs> like, I think you're going to play tight end. <laughs> or something like that, because you know he's got that he's got that country twang. Did
3: he have the beard at the Did time? Did he have Ron? the beard?
2: Right. Though. I don't think he had the beard back in. That was like two thousand five. So I don't think he had the beard back then. Yeah, he in wasn't Santa Claus yet. You know, it's funny. You mentioned uh Wes Johnson being gone. Man, he probably was running out of there yesterday. <laughs> like he was like, "Ooh, man, get me out of here! I'm headed down to Baton Rouge. This is gonna be good. I'm getting paid. I don't have to worry about these twins, bullpen pitchers, like." He's probably good, man. Like, he's like, I'm gone. I'm out of here. You know, it's funny because, like, two straight days when these walk-offs happen, I just end up tweeting, like, LOL, Because, like, it's just funny, man. Like, how does this continue to happen? Like, it's just almost comical. You're not laughing at the twins, per se. You're just kind of laughing at the situation and how they just keep finding themselves in that particular position. Rocco looked like he wanted to cry yesterday after that game. Like, and I wouldn't blame him if he did. Like, you're doing everything you can. You're you're trusting the guys that you've been, you know, blessed with, given. I don't know how how you want to describe it, but you're trusting the guys that you have. You know, he's still going to bat for guys like Emilio Pagan, and you know, all of his guys. Thornberg pitched like seventy thousand pitches yesterday, and it was just like, all right, just send him out there again. See if he can get three more outs. That's fine. And it was like you knew it was coming like you could feel all the energy just kind of like pushing up towards another walk off. And then when it happened and he kind of pimped it, too, and then like the disrespect running home and he's like, I'm going to sleep. It's time to go night night for for you guys. I was looking at the uh, the broadcast. Gio Urshela was like, come on, y'all. Let's go. Get out of here! Like even the the announcer yesterday was just like, we cannot wait to get out of Cleveland. Like if they don't play them for another two three months, I think they'd be happy, because like I, there was a stat yesterday that ESPN tweeted out, and it was just like four games in the last ten days they were trailing by eight, uh, trailing after the eighth inning or later, and mm-hmm. they ended up coming back and winning those games. Like that's demoralizing. But something I mentioned to Luke yesterday, the Twins are, are good at the Ted Lasso effect. You know, be a goldfish because usually they'll they'll have these gut-wrenching games like this and then the next series or the next game happens and all of a sudden they're like, oh, we're good. Like, you know, they may win 6 nothing tonight and you're just like, dang, was this the same team that this just happened yesterday? Like... Nothing really makes sense with them sometimes, but, like, I think you've seen that they have enough talent to win a lot of these games. They need some help in the bullpen because they need to figure out how to close out better because all these leads, like, you know, Carlos Correa giving them leads this week in late-inning situations, and and they can't hold on to the lead. Like, after a while, like, I'm sure some of the hitters are just like, come on, man, what more do we have to do? Because they can't just keep trying to win these games by five six seven runs like it's just not sustainable
3: yeah you're certainly encouraged by clutch hitting mm-hmm. good starting pitching yeah and the bull, the, the bolt bull, we can go on and on about the bullpen the bullpen is in shambles <laughs> and when you when you play these high leverage extra inning games occasionally you're going to wear out that bullpen then you get even shallower and then you've got Tyler Thornburg pitching in the eighth and ninth inning, like 50 pitches, like they they completely you know pitched him into into dust. Guys, is this the year of the blown lead in Minnesota sports? Because I'm getting some serious Vikings vibes. Oh no! I'm getting Don't, do some oh, no. Don't do this. Serious Timberwolves Grizzlies vibes. Oh, I'm getting no. wild game
1: five vibes. Oh my I mean, gosh! It, Every nope, team, nope. No, no. This was last year. Typified so last year by last year the Vikings blew leads. So let's let's be straight. Last year the Vikings oh blew goodness. a bunch of leads. Okay, they should have won those games. This is last. So this is the continuance. So the Vikings start off the sports year. Football mm-hmm. is the start of the sports year because football starts it. So fall sports are the beginning of all school sports, college sports, everything. So fall is the year. So we are still dealing with last year's blown leads storylines <laughs> which you're right the vikings blew a bunch of leads late in games and we thought they should have won uh the, the timberwolves blew some leads and now the twins are doing it and the wild so that's last year's this year is a new start to a season before we jump into the next one though, i want to get a word from our sponsor sam
3: you got it um bet online Guys, they've got all the lines that you can possibly want, whether it's esports, whether it's betting, whether it's MLB, whether it's NFL futures. You can get the line for the Vikings-Packers game in week one. Uh, Checking out Twins-Orioles coming up uh, this weekend. Twins are minus 150 on the money line. Lay a little down on your Minnesota Twins. Can they bounce back and be a goldfish like Reggie asked? Uh, (laughs) Check it out. Bet online
1: where the game starts. So as we end the show, we have one more hot topic. It's hot on this 4th of July weekend, I guess you want to call it. So give me your best hot take. It could be any sport for the season upcoming. Not the one that just passed. I mean, if you want to do Twins now, fine. Um, (laughs) But they're they're last year's news. We're talking about fall sports and then move on. But we can still talk Twins if you want. But I'm going to start with you, Reggie. What's your hot take?
2: (sighs) All right. I'm going to go out on the limb here and I'm going to say that the Vikings are going to win the division. I don't feel like that's very hot though. I feel like it's a little lukewarm, but I mean, the Packers are still the Packers. And so like, you know, I'm not a huge hot take guy. So like, I'm not one of those Stephen A. Smith. I'm just going to say something and people are just going to be like, I cannot believe what Reggie said. But I think, you know, if I, if I can get hot, hotter you know this is the part where the you know the the grill is not at its peak but it's ready where you can put the meat on i think that's the part where i'm at right there i think the vikings are are gonna find a way to win this division
3: yeah um i like that one reggie i think the twins end their playoff losing drought the 0 for 18 i think have you watched win. this year i and this is why i <laughs> I feel like the twins <laughs> kind of give you the old reversal because whenever you have high hopes for them in the postseason, is when they disappoint you the most. I think if fans have a healthy skepticism going into it and Reggie, we haven't gotten to the trade deadline yet. There's still a possibility that they All could right. add some talent. I, I cause they've been known to go out and get not one, but a couple different relievers hasn't always worked out. Mind you, but they have made multiple splashes in the past. I think they could do that again. Um, as I pass to Luke for his hot take, Luke, I also saw on, uh, on the old Instagram that you were at the Canterbury Park last night, and I'd like to know whether you got wiped out on horses, on blackjack, or both.
0: Let's just say this. We had fun, Sam, okay? Um, <laughs> my, my pockets are full of lint and gum wrappers, but hey, we had a good time out at Canterbury Park. No, the blackjack table did beat me up a little bit. But um, but no, we, uh, we got to meet up with P.A., our boy P.A., Paul Allen, voice of the Vikings. Uh, boy, is he good at calling horse races. He is unbelievable. Had a great time out there I'm at Canterbury Park. Here's my hot take. The Minnesota Vikings defense will be a top 10 defense statistical unit next season. I think they got the talent. They got the mix of veterans and now young players. And in this new pass-happy league, you got to have guys that can get after the passer, and cover those wide receivers. I think with the Neil Hunters, Adarius Smith, everybody's going to put an asterisk by him and say, yeah, but can they stay healthy? Even if they stay healthy three quarters of the games, 12, 13 games, I think the talent coming from both sides of that edge Uh, is just so good. And then again, the mix of vets and young guys in the secondary. Lewis Seen's going to pair up with Harrison Smith. Obviously, Patrick Peterson's going to take a guy like Andrew Booth Jr. and a Caleb Evans under his wing. I really like the talent on paper. I like the small, sneaky signing of a guy like Jordan Hicks, too. Three straight 100 tackle seasons, gets his hands on the football. I think this team... And this defense specifically needed a fresh start from Mike Zimmer. It was a great era, obviously, under Zimmer, specifically on defense. But you could tell those last few years are getting a little long in the tooth and hitting the reset button. And, you know, looking at this uh, talent on this roster specifically, I think this Vikings defense, hot take, is going to be a top 10 unit.
1: So here's my hot take. Matthew Stafford had 41 touchdowns and 17 interceptions. Had a 102 passer rating. Tom Brady, 43 and 12. Aaron Rodgers, 37 and 4. Kirk Cousins is going to hit the 40-touchdown club, and he's going to have single-digit interceptions. He's also going to be over 105 in his passer rating. There was only one person last year over 110, and that was Aaron Rodgers. Everybody else was 102, 103. There was a 108 by Joe Burrow. Kirk Cousins will be up there by Joe Burrow's passer rating. He's also going to have the 40 touchdowns and single-digit interceptions. Mm. Big key for this is going to be the sacks. Kirk Cousins took 20-ish sacks, right, 28 sacks. I think this offense, if he can get it going right, Matthew Stafford took 30 sacks. Kirk Cousins can still stay below 25 sacks. If he does that, they are for sure going to win the North, and they are for sure in the uh, conference chance. So they're the NFC championship. They are going to be in the final four teams if Kirk Cousins does that, but that's my hot take for Kirk Cousins. They are in the NFC championship. And Kirk Cousins will hit the forty TD club and single digit interception club. So that's my hot take. Jeez, I like it. Kevin O'Connell has it. I think, it. Gonna yeah. I think Kevin O'Connell's going to get it done. I think Kevin O'Connell going to get it done with him. He's going to mentally Mister Miyagi him. He's yeah. waxing out right
0: now. <laughs> Sprinkle that quarterback dust on him. And Kirk uh, Cousins
1: has no idea why he's out there waxing Kevin O'Connell's car. But he's like, hey, he's like, whatever, whatever works. Just wax wax it. Just, hey, hey, just wax it. Don't worry about it. Hey, Coach, it's an escalator. Don't worry about this. I got you. I got you. And then Kirk Cousins comes out in week one, and he's going to yell out, wax off. And Kirk Cousins is going to do something weird and throw a a, a, a nice pass over to JJ in a flat. He's like, oh, man, I didn't know that worked, Coach. Thank you. And now I'm throwing 40 touchdowns.
2: It's secreted interceptions. <laughs> but,
1: hey, that'll do it for us today. That's the Ron Dodson Show, mashed up with Superior Sports Talk. I'm Ron Johnson. That's Reggie Wilson, Luke Emman, and, of course, Sam Ekstrom, uh guy in the way. We want to thank you all for uh, listening. Watch on YouTube. Continue to download. Thank you for all those that have subscribed to Locked On Sports Minnesota. Please, wherever you get your podcast, just take us with you. I mean, why not? An airport, airplane, train, mm-hmm. taxi cab, whatever you do, Take us with you. Have a great day.
3: Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on
1: Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.